0: Good morning, Derwood. We are continuing our series on the glory of God. The glory of God, as we have said, is best understood as the sum total of all of the particular attributes and the excellencies of God. Our goal is not to merely have an intellectual understanding up here of these truths, but for these very truths to transform us, to encourage us, And to support us in our walk with Christ. This morning I take you by way of the title slide to El Salvador. You might know that Steve and Emily March in our congregation have taken uh, two teams, uh, two missionaries that they know personally and support. So I wanted to include them as we showcase uh, those that we know and love who are partnering uh, around the world in the context of God's beautiful creation. So today will be our final consideration of the specific attributes of God. The next, next Sunday we'll ask the question and address the question, how do I glorify God with my life? All that I know about Him, how do I magnify Him and glorify Him? The excellency of God that we will consider today is His omnipotence. That is, God is Almighty. We have seen that He is eternal, He is holy, He has just wrath, He is immutable, which means we can trust Him. The theme for this morning, I think, will not surprise any of us. Whenever we consider God in the proper sense, I think we immediately think about the fact that God is Almighty. When we say that he is almighty, in in essence, we are saying that God lacks no strength. There is no one more powerful than him. His power and his might are endless. So as we begin our consideration of the fact that God is almighty, I propose this morning that we start with a little pop quiz. Just two questions. Are you ready? Question number one. In the ESV, the word Almighty shows up the most in which of these biblical books? That is, don't don't look it up, but which book of the Bible has the most occurrences of the word Almighty? Your choices are Romans, Job, C is Psalms, and D is Hebrews. Take a moment to think it through. If you answered Job, you are correct. All right, then. You got some happy people this morning. Question number two. Question number two. Now that we have resolved which book of the Bible has the most occurrences, which... The book of the Bible has the second most occurrences of the actual word almighty. Your choices are Romans, A, B, Isaiah, C, Revelation, D, Psalms. Think that through just a little bit. The answer is C, Revelation. Saints, this is no trivial matter. I believe that God has this in his word for a reason. There's a reason why I directed you to that information. Depending on the construction of the Hebrew, it may vary from one translation to another. That is certainly the case. But consider Job and the high occurrences of the word almighty in the book of Job. When life went sideways and catastrophic for Job, ultimately... What was the pillow upon upon which he would ultimately rest his head at night? Took him a while to get there. God is sovereign. And God is almighty. We do well to consider the same for ourselves. Revelation. There is no book like Revelation. We know that. It contains insight for the future but comfort for today. In all periods of oppression and persecution, saints throughout church history have found comfort and solace in the fact that truly the Lord God Almighty reigns. Now let's begin by jumping right into the deep end. A 17th century pastor and theologian by the name of Stephen Sharnock, said this regarding God's omnipotence. It's three paragraphs. I'm going to read it slow and you'll figure that out why very quickly. He said this about the Almighty. The power of God is that ability and strength in which God can bring to pass whatsoever he pleases whatsoever his infinite wisdom can direct and whatsoever his infinite purity of his will can resolve. Power, in the primary notion of it, does not signify an act, a specific act, but an ability to bring a thing into act. It is power as able to act before he actually does produce a thing. I mean, this is 1600s. I've smoothed it over a little bit. As God has an ability to create before he actually did create in Genesis. He had power before and he acted upon that power. Last little bit. Power notes, as regarding to God, the principle of the action, and therefore is greater than the act itself. Power exercised and diffused in bringing forth and nursing in its particular objects without it is inconceivably less than the strength which is infinite in himself. The same with his essence. And is indeed by himself. We're almost done. By his power, exercise, he does whatsoever he actually wills. But by the power in his nature, he is able to do whatsoever he is able to will. End quote. So clearly, he is a deep thinker. And he is absolutely right. To sum it up, there are two things that he highlights. The measure of God's power is not measured only in what he actually does. For example, he created the universe. It was a display of his power in in proportion to what he purposed or willed to accomplish. Second, this is really important. As we've noted before, all of God's excellencies work in harmony together. So when that we when we say that God is almighty we would never suggest that he would do anything or could do anything that is contrary to his holy and righteous nature. I don't say this disrespectfully, but God is unable to die. Why? Because in his very essence God is life. Similarly, God is unable to sin, or, as Scripture informs us, to even be tempted to sin. We see God's power especially in creation and in redemption. Out of the many occurrences of the Word Almighty throughout God's Word, I'd like us this morning to focus on three specific occurrences. They take place in the beginning... The middle and the end of your Bible. My goal this morning is for us to not only understand and believe the fact that God is almighty. But to learn how to live in in the light of this beautiful truth. How do we apply this wonderful excellency of God in our own lives? So we have three little points this morning and here's the first one. Let us endeavor to live increasingly and always in the fear and in the reverence of God. Resolve to walk to live in the fear of the Lord. So take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of beginnings, Genesis. It is the number one book in your Bible. This is God speaking to Abram. A very pivotal point in Scripture. We call this the Abrahamic covenant. It literally is the very foundation of the redemptive plan of God in history. Mindy read it earlier. I'm going to read it again briefly. When Abram was 99 years old, verse 1, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant or promise between me and you. And may multiply you greatly. Then, Abraham, then Abram did what was understood reasonably. What he, did, he did what was reasonable. He fell on his face. God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. This, in this section of Genesis, God is making a covenant or a promise with Abram. This is no small exchange and this is no insignificant conversation. Put yourself in his shoes. God taps him on the shoulder and calls him to leave everything and everyone he knows behind and follow him. Not a lot of roadmap was given. Just follow me. Go where I tell you to go. What I want you to see is how God frames this conversation. It is worth our attention. He announces and identifies himself as God Almighty. There is one response and one response only that fits for a situation like this. Yes, in the moment he fell down on his face, and we respect him for that. But in the days and the weeks and the years to come, be holy. Be blameless. Why? Because that's who I am. Walk before me and be blameless. Remember who it is that you serve and worship. Do not take me and do not take sin lightly. Endeavor to follow me and worship me with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. Do not be lazy or lax in worshiping or serving me. In short, fear the Lord reverence him this reverence of god will not only keep us from sin but it will inspire and control us to treat those around us well simply put we will love people well as we walk in the fear of the lord I think it is absolutely fitting that at the very beginning of God's holy book, he not only consistently tells us that he is almighty all throughout Genesis, but he also connects it with a logical and required response to the fact that he is almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. At times we get emotional or inspired, but at the end of the day... God wants our obedience. So that is thought number one. Right from the beginning of God's word, we are told to be blameless in light of the fact that God is almighty. Now let me take you to the middle of your Bible. To another book that has a high occurrence of the word almighty. Though his story falls in the middle of your Bible, the truth, you might know, is that Job is actually one of the earliest books of the Bible. You might know that your Old Testament is arranged in part by genre. So we put Job in what we call the poetical books. As we briefly consider this well-known character in God's Word, one who is associated with catastrophic loss and suffering, let's look at a very specific example Of how the word almighty is used with Job. And I will tell you what that is as soon as I get there myself. So, before we read the verse, here is our second sermon point, if you're taking notes. Seed your opinions to the Almighty God, to the Almighty One. That is, we have many opinions. We all know that. We think... We know how things should be run. Check those at the door, as they say. It is important, both in the good times and in the bad, that we frame our opinion not on how we feel in the moment, but upon God's unshakable character. In this case, we are speaking specifically Of God's omnipotence. So Job chapter 40. We'll read the first four verses. And actually I'm going to do so in the NIV because I think it flows a little bit better. Job chapter 40 verse 1 reads this. The Lord said to Job, will the one... Oh, remember Job... Well, we'll get to that in a second. The Lord said to Job, will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him, accuses, let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I love this example because it occurs in a book that has tremendous importance for us. You might know the story of Job. He was very well off, blessed in every way, and served God faithfully. He was a God-fearing man. But in short order, he had so much stripped away from him. He suffered greatly. Now, at the beginning of his calamities, his friends did well. They sat with him in silence, in mourning, and in lament. What a wonderful thing it is during our dark times for people to sit with us. To let us know they see us. To let us know that they lament the heartache and or the pain that we are facing in the moment. That's how things began. But you might know that did not last long. They got past their ceremonial time of mourning and they eventually engaged in all manner of legalistic commentary regarding Job's afflictions. Taking their cue from the cultural thought of the day, they assumed, they assumed that Job had done something awful in proportion to the calamities that he was facing. Today we call that karma. Throughout the book, Job would bitterly plead his case to anyone who would listen. But there came a point, after a lot of talking, after a lot of back and forth, where Job needed a course correction. Even in his suffering, he needed to have a little calibration. In our humanity we can understand and we can appreciate why Job was complaining and pleading his case and asking questions. But when all is said is done and when all is said when all has been said and done towards the end of the book notice God's response. In a nutshell remember who it is. That you are speaking to. You may feel that you have a righteous case. And compared to the guy next to you, you might. But he's not the plumb line. It does strike a bit odd to be arguing, actively arguing with the one who is almighty. Are there lessons that you need to teach me? God says. Are there things that I need to learn from you? Have I forgotten something? Will you offer me your counsel and your insights? In a moment, in a flash, Job had a clear picture of his life. In his response, he immediately recognizes that he is an unworthy one. In the presence of almighty God. At that moment of clarity. What is there left to do? But to cup your mouth. Beloved you and I will face many situations in life. Where we might actually think that we could do a better job than God. And if you don't verbalize it. You have probably thought it along the way. we think perhaps that we could do a better job than God in running the universe or certainly the affairs of our own life. I've shared before what one of my professors used to say. He said, God is the one who rules the universe. When you create and have your own universe, you are welcome to call the shots. Even in the dark of night, when we do not have the answers that we crave... Let us humble ourselves before Almighty God and find comfort in His love and care for us. Saints, there will be a day, and it is coming, when every tear will be wiped away, every question will be answered, and everything will become clear. And now direct your attention to the very end of your Bible. Please turn with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 17. Like I said, Revelation chapter 19. Our third point this morning is this. Take comfort, fellow saint. The Lord God Almighty always has, is currently, and forever will reign. Now, sincere Bible-believing Christians, as we know, will hold differing opinions on the exact nature and meaning of different parts of the book of Revelation. This in no wise diminishes the truth of God's word. There is an underpinning or supporting truth that carries great weight and is a comfort for every single Christian. And it runs right through the book of Revelation. God, the Almighty, reigns. That reign has never been interrupted. He does not have a successor. Chapter 19, the first... Well, actually, we'll look at verse 6 and 7. Then I heard... What seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. Like the roar of many waters. And like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. Crying out. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God. The Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt. And give Him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Without question, the book of Revelation contains much about the judgment of God, it contains a truth about the future, but also truth for today. It contains much about persecution and difficulties that the people of God can and will face. In this moment, I point you to one absolutely crucial truth. In the midst of God's judgment in the earth, in the midst of turmoil on the earth, and in your life, In the midst of persecution, God Almighty reigns. Notice how that declaration is made in the context of praise and worship. The first word is hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Saints, let us rejoice. He says, let us rejoice and give him the glory. What we have been speaking to for months. He is worthy of it. He is worthy to be trusted. Dear saints, in the future and right now, God is on his throne you can and you should trust him and follow him. This theme of God's omnipotence runs right through the book of Revelation. It is a comfort and the plumb line for Christians. God reigns in judgment, in persecution, and in all things. At this time, I like to call the men forward for communion Fellow saints, our God is the Lord God Almighty. In response to this astounding excellency of God, let us resolve to walk in the fear of the Lord and in the reverence of God. Let us lay our opinions at the door. And in all things and in all circumstances, Let us be comforted. The Lord God Almighty reigns. This time of communion is a very special and a precious time for those who know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. It is a tactile reminder of His great love for you. Of his provision of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a perfect opportunity for you to take stock, to examine yourself, to examine your walk with the Lord. Where do you need to repent? Where do you need to make a course correction? Where do you need to make restitution with someone else? It is a wonderful reminder of God's love for you, his acceptance of you, and the joyful expectation of the return of Christ. Take a few moments in quiet reflection and prayer. In this holy moment before the Lord, early in the service, Jeremy prayed about the ups and downs in life and how we perceive ourselves and our situations. This is your constant reminder that you are loved with an unconditional love. That God accepts you completely through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have indeed put your faith in the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you belong to Him. You've been adopted into His family. And oh, how we need Him moment by moment, day by day. We are not self-sufficient in serving Christ. We need to rely and lean on Him all throughout the day. Let's pray together. Lord God Almighty, we worship you. We ascribe and give you worth because you are worthy of all praise and our adoration and certainly our obedience. Thank you for the great love with which you have loved us thank you for placing us into this new nation the body of Christ the church your people all over the world joined together by your indwelling Holy Spirit thank you Lord, so often we live and we pursue lesser things. Let us indeed this morning be resolved to follow hard after you, as the psalmist said. Speak comfort to our heart, to our soul. Remind us of your unconditional love deep in our soul. Renew for us the joy of our salvation. That sense of all that we had when we first believed, when we first understood that Jesus died for our sins, for my sins, for every last one of them. When we first perceived and believed. That our simple faith in you is what you require. Not our efforts, not our church attendance. But casting ourselves on your mercy. Believing that the Lord Jesus Christ died in our place and rose again. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. We always pray that if there is but one who does not know you personally, that today would truly be the day of their salvation. Fill us with your joy and renewed purpose this morning. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.